This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal Cast and YouTube. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome to the newest edition of the Cabal Cast. This week, we're doing something a little bit different uh, in keeping with my personal opinions. Uh, we're going full on doom and gloom. What are our worst predictions yep. for Paper Magic as it stands? Uh, we'd had a plan for the episode, but in light of some events from this weekend, and really the last couple weeks, even back to when we Rep and I were at Detroit, yep. uh, got got some opinions we wanted to share. So, oh, absolutely. So uh, let's let's just get started with it. Get right into it. Sure. So uh, we were both at Detroit, staring at each other's booths from uh, probably midday Saturday to Sunday. Yep. Because Detroit had less than 700 players at it. This is the weekend of July 14th, 2019. It was M20, sealed release weekend. And there were less than 650 players registered for the event by end of day Friday when we left. Sorry, I say end of day and that's when face-to-face uh, -face left. There were still several hours left in the event and a couple more people yeah. registered. The next morning, uh, the judge conference quote-unquote uh a pre-event conference basically uh the head judge just kind of gives you guys gives the judges uh an idea of how large the event is going to be what everybody's doing timings things like that he mentioned that this would be a petite grand prix uh, a small event and we found out a couple rounds later that it was uh sub 700 oh. and it was rough Friday, they didn't announce the numbers of side events. There was basically just a singular MCQ that fired in the main event area, uh, which was close to our booth, which is great. But we basically just got to watch what would effectively be the entire Grand Prix happen on Friday in that space. Yep. And then there were a handful of other Turbo Towns and stuff like that. What do you can expect? And then we found out Saturday that you could actually min cash without making day two. That's how small this yeah. event was. You could go uh, five, four, meaning not convert into round nine, the first round of day two and min cash because they paid out to 256, I believe or somewhere yep. around there. And only 128 players made the cut to, to day two uh, round 10 of day on day two. So there were people that did not have to come back that min cash this event. While we're doing this, this is a sealed event. You know, it's a core set in the summer. It's not a destination a lot of people are going to travel to for any kind of event that isn't some bonkers constructed format like modern. What Detroit has generously been given for almost uh, the last few every year for the last few years, we knew the attendance would be low. SCG Worcester is firing at the same time, and that generally brings in a lot of people regardless of the time of year. Worcester is not too far away from Boston. It's not hard to get to. It basically pulls in everybody from uh, New York State to Maine, maybe down yep. a little further uh, into Jersey. That, yes, down into Jersey. They pulled in, and I checked this out, 391 players for M20 Standard. This was the premier event for Standard. It was the first paper event of this season, and 391 players came out to this event. And we basically saw a showing of what happened, I think, 36 hours ahead of time. That's when uh, the arena event finished, I think. Or maybe yep. 36 hours afterwards. There was uh, 
an event. This is basically what we predicted when we were looking at War of the Spark. With Modern Horizons coming up, we knew that one of these sets was going to be a failure, and it was basically just going to begin the downward spiral that could be the death knell for Paper Magic. Seeing that standard attendance is low for these events, that the format really hasn't churned, there's not a lot of change in what's going on, and M20 is a fairly underwhelming set with a number of great reprints that just don't happen to be good enough for standard, we're seeing what could be a waning in Paper Magic for, I believe, standard and limited. Going forward, it seems like these are going to be the events that they want to put on Arena. In favor of streaming either GP or Magic Fest Detroit, which had under 700 players, or Magic Fest Krakow, which actually had 1,200 players and was the same format as Detroit, they had an Arena event on instead. Yep. Nobody could tell me what it was. They just said it was some Arena cruft. You know? Yep. I don't know who was there. I think I saw photos from afterwards, and the only face I noticed was Autumn Burchett, so that's why they were not at Worcester, which is actually what I expected. They were at this arena event, but nobody else seemed to be uh, a name. And it looks like, to me, this is the way we're going to be moving. Paper Standard is on its way out, and with it will go the limited formats, save for uh, Mythic Championships. That should be the only time we'll really see either Paper Standard or Myth or paper limited be played in the future we could see weird limited happen at uh mythic championships like uh, i think it was out of worlds maybe one time they actually drafted the moto cube in paper they had the power yep. cube on site and that was hilariously fun to watch yeah but i do not see paper magic for standard sticking around that much longer at the magic fest level it just does not seem financially sound for any tournament organizer to continue to put on these events that are extremely small, which means any kind of overhead uh, profit that you're making off entries is now limited. Vendors are now picking up on this and are going to start bailing. While we were there, we actually had a booth in Krakow. 1,200 players, three vendors in Krakow. We, we were running on two continents. And the our, our show leads had no idea why we were even in Detroit somewhere in the middle of day two. Like it was yeah. our booth. We were there obviously. But when you look, when you broke the numbers down, why would you ever go to Detroit again? Yeah. While you could go somewhere else like Krakow or, uh, stay in Canada and run your own event on the same weekend. It just, it doesn't make sense. No. You know, the, especially the way channels increase the cost on the booth for this year. Like it, it sucks. Yep. Uh, we have similar opinions on this, but you are a little, uh, little more gloomy oh yeah, and I'm, doomy. I'm I'm full on. You know, I I'm I'm to the point where I'm going to start selling supplements and hulking out on air <laughs> with a bunch of gimmicks. Is how doom and gloom I am about this. I I think it's you know, paper magic, and I've I've said it before, on on our cast. I think by design or mismanagement, within five years, Paper Magic is done. Okay. I think it's sooner than that now. Mm -hmm. I think it might be as early as three. So in addition to just the bad attendance, and you know, I, you mentioned Denver this weekend, which Denver is usually a huge GP. 
Yeah. Like it's a tourist city. It's a place where you can go and get high legally, which is still a bit of a novelty. And, you know, magic players love their vices. And there was a picture that went out uh, that's actually in the finals. And it's actually a friend of mine, Greg Keithley, going against LSB. Yep. And, you know, Greg hasn't played magic really much or traveled for events in years. And he was like, I, what what is this? Yeah, the, this like, hall there, is there's empty. no coverage there's no spectacle there's nothing yeah they've pulled up the covers around the tables yeah aside from the one they're on and and it was you know that's that's all there was uh so aside from the low attendance you know it hasbro released their earnings report right and we'll we'll have the link up so everyone can see it yep. and some of the big things that are worth noting uh, forty-six percent growth in quarter two this year compared to last year, mm-hmm. which they attributed to you know Dominaria or the Spark, both being just absurd sets. Oh, um, Horizon international yeah. segments lost one percent annually. Okay, but the big thing is that they said there's a twenty-eight percent net revenue growth in entertainment licensing and the digital segment. They said that, and they're operating profits dropped but that's because they were setting up arena yes now one of the most important things here and they break down by brands what they're looking at so they have franchise brands partner brands hasbro gaming and emerging brands emerging brands also included some of their digital marketing so the net revenues from quarter two this year to quarter two last year this year they reported 71 million and last year was 55.6 which is almost a 30% increase. Jeez. Their entertainment licensing and digital like I said was a 28% increase over last year. The operating profits were significantly lower and they even say why. It's because they're increasing their focus on the new digital marketplace of Arena. Mm-hmm. So They've already acknowledged we're making way too much money for this because, you know, it, it doesn't it's not going to cost us as much in the long run. Mm-hmm. This is literally just us doing all the infrastructure to start with, which is just absurd. And, you know, I, it seems like more and more. And I've said this before, too. You know, one hand is Watsi doing whatever it wants and the other hand is Hasbro doing whatever it wants. And at this point, I don't think they can continue to ignore that Hasbro doing whatever it wants to do makes them way more money and costs them way less. Yeah, uh, Hasbro also understands the value of the microtransactions. That also happened on our way to Detroit. That patch went out where you could literally lag somebody out of Arena by clicking on the cat that they bought. Yeah. Teach teach them a lesson about the cat that they bought and lag them out of this game. Yeah. But it it wasn't intentional and they're going to ban a bunch of people. Um... (laughs) Sure. Yeah, sure. But I, it's it's interesting to see this because you know we're also getting all of these paper releases, right? Yep. For these new sets. Well, over the weekend we also had Eldrain announced, and there's a new pack that they're releasing for Eldrain that is basically them saying, "Look, we cannot possibly do Mythic editions anymore because we can't get our head out of our ass." Nope. So here's a collector's pack you can sell in an LGS. See if I can find the uh, the slide that they posted up. Keep going. And it's basically them saying, look, you know, we've recognized that our market for paper is less on normal sealed and more on supplementary cool products Mm -hmm. when our sets aren't well designed. 
So they can bank on having well-designed sets for a little bit, but having products like this, to me, says we're going to appeal to our casual tabletop player. And you know what? You're right. They don't want to drop $8, $20, whatever it is, on a pack like this. But when it's someone who needs something for Cube, or they're an EDH player and they're at their store picking up dice, and oh, I got 20 bucks, throw yeah. me a pack. This is the kind of stuff that I think we're going to start to see Paper Magic move more towards because it's a specialty product that people actually care about and it's something that they have to get out of their house to get. Yes. So if you want to play limited, if you want to play standard, you can just play it on Arena. You can't do this stuff there. And I think that as this becomes the norm for paper people will legitimately spend less money on paper. Yeah. And it's just all going to go moto arena, whatever. whatever it is. But I think they're just going to say, you know what? Screw it. We don't have to worry about the reserve list. We don't have to worry about renting event halls. No, we don't, we don't have to worry about stream overhead because it's so much easier to stream arena than it is to stream a match of paper magic. Yep. And I just don't think it's possible that they're not going to do that. So I, you know, I, over the last couple of weeks, we've had lower attendance. You know that tweet? This was the lowest attended GP since 2006. Yeah. And Denver was a, like, it, it's not like it's a bad format. It's, it's not vintage where people are priced out. It's just, it's a format people should want to be at and a city people should want to be. Yeah. And you can't get people out. Yeah, I actually, I, I think I can catch a direct flight from here to Denver on a Wednesday and then come yeah. back on a Saturday or another Wednesday because Spirit Airlines. But, like, if I can direct flight out there, anybody should be able to get out there. I mean, that's yeah. ridiculous. Uh, the, the the death of paper standard in regards to just selling a regular box, I think, is kind of an inevitability at some point. Well, the timeline is something I don't want to hedge on, but it, it makes the most sense to kill effectively what is a regular standard set and just expect to sell out on these ridiculous things what was the price point these the collector boosters 20 maybe well it's supposed to be because there's no msrp <laughs> yeah well we have the the numbers floating around in our in our discord i just can't remember off the top of our head and my head is just buried but it's like the same cost from distro as a modern horizons box but there's only some number of packs in the teens, I think, and I might be misspoken on that because, like I said, I'm just trying to remember this, but the amount of yeah. cruft you get in these packs is ridiculous. And you can look at these as kind of like uh, the Alara Block specialty packs where everything's yeah. foil. For the collector's boosters, there was also the announcement of the new PPUs, like the F&M packs that are also like stocked to the gills, that they're yeah. already replacing one product with another. Like, they just started yep. giving out the original ones, and they're already replacing them with something else ridiculous. Let's see if I can pull this image. It looks the exact same, but the the information inside is different. It, But it makes... It, it, it creates this weird predicament. If they start calling uh, paper standard, what happens to the players that actually need to buy cards for older formats that are still played in paper? Let me bring up this yeah. promo pack real quick. Love. And this is the, the PPU pack. This is what we discussed shortly after Gamma. You know, a foil-stamped rare mythic, a foil-stamped curated rare mythic from an older... Uh, anywhere else, basically, in the last 18 months or so. The F&M yeah. promo, whatever that is. We saw the full art uh, 
not negate, uh, disfigure, and the other cards float around a couple weeks ago. And then uh, the Arena promo card, which is effectively something that Pokemon's been doing for years. You get a free online pack. It basically yeah. is your hook to go from the paper game to the digital game, you know, and keeps yeah. people it, circling that funnel without ever falling out. But if we see the slow heat death of paper standard, that means less boxes are going to be picked up from distro. That means less packs opened, which oddly plays with the secondary market, yep. especially for players who want to play older formats that need those cards what is it basically every set for the last year or so has had at least one card that falls Karn directly that come to mind that's fatal insane fatal push and teferi yeah like those are also separated by a, a couple sets as well like mystic are, forge yeah people are going to need these cards to play older formats which means there might be an additional tax placed on based on rarity because of the slowdown in paper standard sales for arena product yep like as as a store owner, I'm going to run whatever my players want. And if my players yeah. want Constructed, I'll run Constructed. But I don't foresee myself selling a lot of Standard if this is the way things go. Especially because Arena is cheaper. And people yeah. can just play Standard there. And at that point, FNM just becomes a social event. It's it's also interesting because you know we talk about wallet fatigue all the time. And we thought, okay, we're going to get a break. We're, you know, M20 hits, then we have Commander and a break. Yep. Well, then you have $20 packs in the new set. So does wallet fatigue carry over at that point? Do we keep having more of this? Yeah. Are we getting this every set? Is this, is this just a new product that people have to contend with? And it's like, you know, it, at a certain point, you saturate the market too much and your stuff just doesn't sell. Yeah. Like shops are going to have to be very careful about what, they buy into and how much because some of this stuff will stick around uh this past week uh it's been no secret to the people in uh, our discord i spent three days looking at storefronts and of the stores that i checked out as competitors the only one that had both singles and sealed product was sitting on battle bond boxes was sitting on uma boxes and was sitting on ema boxes in a fairly affluent area of new jersey granted while i was there he did sell about uh an Uma box for uh, like 20% over market, but that was one of what a backstock of, I think six or eight on the shelf just for that yeah. one, one set. And he had as many of those other master set as I mentioned. And then basically everything that was in standard people just for whatever reason, aren't buying into all this cruft anymore in a lot of areas, especially when there are stores that just buy as much as they can from distro and let it ride. Yeah. This is not a guy who's buying from other stores in the area or players to restock his shelves because he sold out. These have just been sitting there. That's just the way it is. And knowing that it doesn't frighten me if I want to open my storefront in that area, it just tells me I have to be very careful yeah. about what I pick up. You know, And that creates problems for people, especially when they want to buy it on this random... I don't even know what to call collectors boosters versus promo boosters at this point. Yeah, I, uh, Alara packs. I'm yeah. just going to call them Alara packs forever. Yeah. It's it's a pro tour. It's a Grand Prix. They're Alara packs. Fair enough. <laughs> and and we have a wait and see kind of aspect with this. Like we know these are going to cost a lot. We know there's probably going to be fewer of these than there are boxes. But if there's just so much product coming out, which is which are people going to buy into? Yeah. The collectors boosters or a regular box. 
if people buy into collector's boosters over a regular box, does that mean that these cards, the, the non-collector's versions, will actually see some kind of weird... Uh, weird time space where they're worth more because there yeah. was less of them opened? Yeah, just uh, on artificial price, they're being lent price due to scarcity. Like, is is that a thing? Do our yeah. vendors like Channel Fireball and Troll and Toad who order, like, close to a, a thousand cases of non-core sets not going to order that many because they need to move into collector's booster boxes to resell those instead and so large like worldwide vendors are going to actually hold less of this product i don't know yeah it just creates a lot of unknowns and a lot of uncertainty for the future especially because there was no announcement about whether this is like you said going to be masters and continue on is it just the set because it's a it's the the grim fairy tale style set yeah we don't know we don't know. And that puts us as an, as in an awkward spot and as financiers and especially if you're trying to buy in on standard rares, how do you do yeah. that? You know, do you wait and see or do you just not bother or do you rebuy when people inevitably buy into too much and need to move out? I don't know. I don't yeah. Know. I can't tell you because this is yet again a new paradigm. Every time we think we've settled in, you know, they change it. Yeah, also, uh, fun fact... So, they're, these Alara packs, uh, they're also giving them to stores to distribute in addition to buy a box promos. Huh. So, we'll have even more of them out there because they've got, you know, say you get 72 buy boxes or whatever, they're giving you some number less of the promo packs, but you get to just throw them out. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. Like, you can just, however you want to distribute them. That's actually really interesting. So I, you know, they're they're trying to push this product, I think, and try to get people to do it as you know, let's get this out here, and you throw enough shit at the wall, and some of it's going to stick. Yeah, uh, uh, I don't know. To to wind down before I move into picks, I think the safest place to be as a financier is safely in the nook that is EDH. Yeah, I think that is the safest thing they, they can't take that format out from underneath the player base and move it entire digitally or stop supporting it because they don't support it in the tournament scene anyway and almost every game of edh is played in somebody's home or yeah. dorm it, it's not played at, at at an lgs at a high percentage yeah that if there's one piece of advice i could give to people moving forward it is stay in that lane if you think you can hang out with legacy go for it because again that that's full of stalwarts and if there are people that play it in your area, by all means, go for it. But EDH is definitely going to be the lane. It's the one format yeah. that they just can't kill by stopping support for it at the Magic Fest and or FNM level. Yeah, there's no possible way. No, not at all. And that's, you know, it, it, we always say, you know, casuals drive the market. Mm -hmm. Casual formats drive the market. EDH is a casual format they can never take away no. from paper. So it's it's your best bet. Yep, and It's, it, it's what you've got. And it, it's, it falls in line with our picks for uh, two weeks ago. Last week, I don't know what it was supposed to be. You remember? How long uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was... I don't remember either. We're so bad at this. It's like a week and change ago. <laughs> it's all my fault. I, like I said, I spent three days looking at storefronts and an yeah. entire day in like a 100-degree crawl space pulling stuff out uh, for oh sports card collectibles. Like Terrible. Yeah, I know. It was not a great time for me. Yeah, but my so my pick for the the weekend of July thirteenth that is now rolling forward is Flood of Tears. 
This is a card from uh, Core 2020. I wasn't sold on it to begin with, and I, I didn't like the price graph, and I still don't like it that much as there's a decent amount of separation between uh, average and market. We're looking at a separation of about 30 cents right now. Yeah. But what I do like about it is that this is not a replacement for Cyclonic Rift. There will never be a ban on Cyclonic Rift. This is an alternative to Cyclonic Rift that offers a little more upside than Rift. It is a sorcery, so you can't just whammy uh, the board at the end of the person to your yeah. right's turn. You can use uh, spells or effects to break timing on it. But this is... It's upheaval with upside. Yep, it's going It's going to go in that uh, blue control deck or blue X control deck. Uh, there are people who are working on this in standard. I think the Pro Points podcast mentions it. The last one they did, uh, catching up yeah. on all the standard uh, events and some of their brews. And this is just going to be a card long-term that's going to hold some value. It might sit somewhere around uh, five or six in a year or so's time. So this is a very long-term hold because this is an in-print core set rare. And this is a card that I have seen demand for already. We had it in our case for, I want to say, $2. Yeah, we had it as well in Detroit. And... It took maybe two people, three people to clear us out of our stock, and we brought at least 12 of uh, every rare that we thought was playable for Core 2020, and then that was it. It was gone. Uh, I was looking at this at a $1.17 market. That's now dropped down to about a dollar, a little less. So if you want to pick them up, now would be the time. I think, if I remember correctly, uh, Troll is flooded with, no pun intended, infinite of them. That would be the place to go. That's just <laughs> going to be my hashtag call out. Uh, yeah. If, like, because Mirror prices his standard rares really well. Otherwise, yeah. you can try and find somebody on on TCG Player that lists like 20 plus. Like, going yeah. deep on this card is going to work out for you in the long run. This should be an easy turnaround uh, and an easy sell. And if I think I'm correct, I'm going to just double check this. Uh, the people in our Discord got the information early on the pick, and if Card Kingdom's price is the same as yesterday morning, because I'm a degenerate, and check <laughs> every day. Yep. And I mean, can... I, I I have there's a few people with cubes out here that are seriously considering it in the upheaval slot because it does have upside, mm-hmm. and you know it it's you still build around it, just not as much. Yep. The the price that I clocked it at when I gave it as a pick is now the current credit price on CK's buy list. So this card has already picked up to meet the market from two weeks ago. So if you can get in at TCG low on the market now, you should be able to arbitrage immediately. And that should give you an idea that in this like week and a half, two weeks time, this card's already begun to pick up. There's motion on this card, if not for standard, then for EDH. And eventually, like Cyclonic Rift, it took a while for it to climb. It will get there. Yeah, Cyclonic. Cyclonic Rift for the longest time was a sub five dollar card, yeah. and then it just overnight went to ten. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, All right, what uh, for us? so my pick is you know in keeping with casuals drive the market, uh, and in keeping with obscure foils that are probably bad picks, uh, but end up working. I mean, time ball doesn't come in foil, so yeah, Orb of Dreams from Betrayers of Kamigawa. So it's a three mana permanence coming to play tapped artifact so first off it's from betrayers which was opened a little bit because of jit but not as much because jit was also in a pre-con a rat pre-con baby whatever uh so 
a couple weeks ago, it had about 40, print, 40 listings on TCG for the foil. Mm-hmm. And it's now down to 18. So this type of effect is not something Wizards is ever going to do again because they hate stacks. And they, and you can see that in the fact that they've uh, altered this ability in Blind Obedience. Yes. Where it becomes a very limiting factor. It's, what is it, creatures and artifacts? Yeah, and even three mana Thalia. Yeah. It's non-basic lands and creatures. And it's it's a global effect mm-hmm. that in EDH is incredibly powerful. It's an affordable foil on TCG right now. The most expensive one is fifteen dollars. Yep. And that's of eighteen results. Uh, you know, other retailers have a decent supply of like four to five of them total. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is not through like anything suddenly breaking it. It's not like Urza, something like that's going to come out of left field and make this card a million dollars. Yeah. I just think that through natural demand, we'll see this reach a $20, $30 foil before too long. Yeah, I mean, you look at some of the weird foils from Kamigawa block that are, you know, worth money that aren't like Ninja of the Deep Hours. Yeah. You know, for example, Kami of False Hope is randomly a $5 foil. Some of the Hondans are worth money, too. Yeah, the Hondans are like $10 each. In foil, uh, yeah. Day of Destiny is like a $10 foil, and that's... What? It, it's an anthem for Legends? Yeah. You know, and, and this card has a lot more utility for that, and I think there's a lot of upside because, again, it's a type of thing they're not going to easily reprint. No. I mean, I don't even know if they print it in uh, Commander product non-foil because the effect is so unfun and against the spirit of the format yeah whatever that we also uh, know that uh the core 20 or not core uh the commander 2020 themes don't really lend to this yeah it's true uh i forgot what the before are but none of them really speak to a madness flashback stuff like that yeah. uh and you know it's really interesting because you talk about how they've changed this effect and you know i was at a vintage event this weekend and lavinia was everywhere Lavinia is the type of thing that a few years ago they would have, you know, ham-fisted something besides, you know, your your opponents can do this. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, they don't produce global effects like this anymore. And that's where I think the opportunity for this card to grow is. Yeah. Um, because, you know, whenever an opponent casts a spell, well, it used to be you. And instead of each opponent can't do it, it used to be you. And it's the type of thing that I just don't think they'll revisit. It's just not in their design space anymore. Yeah. And there will always be even a small amount of demand for this because there are people who want to play stacks and stacks can exist in a number of, uh, colors. It could, you can go with a mono blue style stacks. You can go with mono white and, you know, get people out, uh, black, white, whatever you want to do. You can basically apply this effect anywhere you want. And you can also get out from underneath it yourself with yeah. uh, cards like uh, Amulet of Vigor, where you can yep. basically, your lands can at least ETB untapped. Uh, and I have to look it up, but if you were able to tap this to opposition, like with Static Orb, you might be able to get out from underneath it? Uh, no. Oh, no. It, it, it is always active. It is it? Okay. Yeah. So it's even more restrictive than Winter Orb. Okay. But yeah, you, you can. There are ways for you to get out from or live. Yeah, there's definitely like game. Amulet of Vigor, for example, is one. Uh, there's a couple of, you know, I started paying attention to the card because Yarok got spoiled. 
Okay, yeah. And Allure Index with Yerok are something I would love to try. So that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that cards like this, you know, there's an easy way to abuse the synergy where you can have, like, Sakura Tribe Scout to put an extra land into play on your turn and mm-hmm. Amulet to have it come into play untapped. Yep. No, it, it's nice, and I think this represents a, a part of the market that not, not a lot of people pay attention to because people don't go digging for stuff like this. They look for known quantity. And yeah. some of these picks, while they might not pan out in the short term, definitely have appeal in the long term because when you apply cards... To, or when you're looking at EDH in particular, there yeah. are new people that join the format all the time, and people just change their kind of player identity within the format depending on what's going mm-hmm. on or how they feel. And stacks is always something that's played, or just like mucking with the battlefield effects are always something that's played. And in a gatherer search, cards like this will come up. Whether or not yeah. people pull the trigger is something else. You need a special type of degenerate to actually do that. But I, I think this is one of those cards that just kind of holds. Like, yeah. and what I mean, I mean. Like, it's going to sell constantly. It might be small. You might not want to go, you know, balls deep on this thing. Yeah. And you might want to sit on it for a little bit, but it's definitely going to to accrue in value. Yeah. And that's that's one of those things that, you know, as, as you look at our spreadsheet and you see the types of cards I generally tend to pick, mm-hmm. I'm much more of a long-term six to 12 months to two years kind of guy. And yeah. this is the type of thing that, you know, I joke saying it's a bad pick, but that's because I think a lot of people want to pump and dump. Yeah. And this is not a pump and dump spec. This is a hold it for a year, two years. Randomly, you'll find someone at a GP going around. I need this card. I need this card. I need this card. Yeah. They'll find it at a booth that bought it for two dollars and is going to be like uh, fifty bucks. Yep. And a windmill slam it for fifty. Mm-hmm. And eventually, there will come a time where because this card is so unpopular, it just won't be restocked on TCG Player because that's just an open market. It's representative of the people who want to resell that card. And as these move into the hands of players and not collectors, that. Uh, that populace will just drop the population will just drop towards zero and eventually it'll restock and and you'll see that price shoot up it'll rocket and that's when that's what you're looking for the same thing happened with through the breach a couple years ago yeah it just stopped existing and then all of a sudden people are like wait this doesn't exist anymore yep well let's uh throw this somewhere and boom there it is yep it's worth too much money yep uh we i did that with alpha sol ring there was one floating on tcg player for like 100 and some it was listed as damage it doesn't matter what this card actually looks like no. As long as it is the last Alpha Soul Ring on TCG player, this will get a restock eventually, and the mm-hmm. price will jump, and it quadded in almost a yeah. week. Like, And now that like that investment was fine because I re- re- helped reset the market. And yeah. if you're interested in that, that's also something you can try to do. Corner the market or wait. Watch it. Watch this card. Watch till it drops, till it drops, till it drops. Move in on the last few copies of, like let's say, LP, so they're only left with HP, MP. When those eventually disappear or get repriced, you can pop your LP up and basically uh, lift the ceiling, and the yep. floor should come with, and eventually they'll hold. Because, yeah, like we said, this is they're not going to make a commander deck with this card in it, because there's no theme they can make unless the theme is literally unfun cards to play against. Uh, yeah, against, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and this isn't going to be in a standard set. If there's no way to, to turn this off like I, I thought there was before, like you could with Static Orb in Opposition, then this isn't... We're not seeing this. Yeah, it, it's, you know, it, it's, I think it's great. I also love yep. unfun cards, so that's, you know, why I go there. Oh, no, that, that's fine. I mean, by all yeah. means, like, somebody's got to be the heel, so. Yeah. <laughs> I, like I said, I, I think we, we haven't beaten this to death, but I think we're both in agreement that this is a great long-term yeah. hold, but just don't go tall on it. Yeah, don't go super deep. Yeah, like, just hold off. <laughs> but yeah, move in if you, if you like it. Otherwise, if you don't, 
Didn't even know this card exists. Now you do. You can be that guy in your EDH group. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. But, Pull it out in the game and watch your friends start to hate you. Oh, yeah. It'll be great. But uh, that's all I've got to really talk about today. If you're good, I think we can sign off. Yeah. Uh, if anyone's coming to Gen Con, swing by the Miniature Market oh, right. booth. Be I'll there. be there all weekend. Yep. Uh, that's in two weeks, I guess. So after our next episode goes live. Okay. Um, uh, what weekend is Gen Con? The best four games in gaming? Yeah, best four days of gaming start on the 31st and okay. run, and, or sorry, start on the 1st of August and run through the 4th. Yep, so the weekend after that, I'll be in Minneapolis. Yeah. And then we'll both be in Vegas. I keep saying that like I don't know. Yes. You tell me every time. Okay. Yes, we, we will both be in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I haven't booked my flight, so if anybody wants to come and chill either Thursday or Monday or Tuesday, I don't know. I'll be yeah. in Vegas. Find me. But, yep. Uh, uh, that's it for us this week. I am at Halt. I am Reptar. I am at Thirsty Sizzler. We are at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter, and you can find us on uh, Patreon, iTunes, on Stitcher. Eventually, we'll find another platform to get to before iTunes collapses upon itself. The Uma Box. It'll happen is, soon. Yeah. Uh, it's a scary thought. The Uma Box yeah. raffle is still alive. Uh, we yes, are still is. taking submissions, quote unquote. Basically, you just sign up as a patron, and that enters you in the raffle immediately. And once we. Ch- uh, check past that 100 person patron mark we will be raffling that out otherwise the discord is pretty much live all the time and you got to uh read a uh, a banger over the last yeah. couple of weekends as we've been uh, at events and just watching the market bump and grind to a seeming halt over the last couple of weeks basically yeah it's been great oh fantastic but we will see you guys next week yep sounds good